It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of The Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by Sports Interaction, Sportsbook, and Casino, focusing on the teams, players, and games that actually matter to you. They're not just another sports book. They have a brand new betting platform with even more ways to bet, including same-game parlay. So if you're trying to bet on the barn burner of a Thursday night football game that will feature the Chicago Bears and the Carolina Panthers. Yes, I said barn burner with a straight face. It's an absolute game changer. Or hey, maybe you're going to watch the Edmonton Oilers San Jose Sharks. Those are some uh, great games for you to bet on uh, and, and take advantage of the same game parlays. There's also the Sports Interaction Casino, the best in the market with an insane amount of games and live 24-7 dealers. So I deal with those American companies who know nothing about your city. Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. Download the app or go to on.sportsinteraction.com, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? Powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Always remember to bet local. Here's Chris with your host, Julia McKenzie. Part of the game. CJ, we only get to do these episodes so many times. An in-person episode. Good to see you, man. Good to be seen. It's nice to be in the same room. Producer Nick, too. Yeah, producer Nick is in the house as well. This is well. like the rarest of things. I know. A few times when we've done the in-person episodes, Nick hasn't always been on the ground yeah. with us manning the controls. Yeah. It, I like Look, I, I love the setup, man, where I get to do a show with you. Producer Nick is there. Like I, I love this like three-man setup that we have. And I have to admit to everyone today, uh, upon further measurement, <laughs> I am a short king. I can no longer hide away from that. I can no longer make assumptions about, well, not assumptions, but declarations that I am well above them in height or I'm 5'9 or anything like that. I'm only marginally taller than Chris Johnston. And I just want to apologize to both of you for betraying you in the Short King community and making it seem as if I'm holier than thou because I realize I did ruffle some feathers. You've so. done you've done the right thing here by just coming out and owning this. Yeah, because I'm really I know disappointed you're... because I was gonna give you the gear. Oh, I I'm still waiting for you to give no, me the I gears can't. on it. You, you absolutely should. All of the air out of anything. No, you no that. you should you absolutely should. I am ripe for roasting. I did take things a little far with how I I characterize my. Well, height. you wanted to be separate from the pod. Well, it's not no. You it's not that I wanted to be, be like separate from Nick the pod. Pod is 
it's just like th- there's that short class, and then there's this other tall class that I'm in. But that's fair. Yes. We're all in the same. We're yeah. all in the same. We're range in the same here. cluster, and there's nothing wrong with being five five no, or five seven or five eight or six two. Good things come in small packages. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I couldn't say that with a straight face, but uh, yeah, I'm 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 glad that we've cleared that up, and hopefully we can put. Any I just hope we're not ruining your vibe. No, like that we've now. You can never ruin my vibe. The, the world that, now has this like documented. No, that, that's okay. That's fine. I am what I am, and I'm confident in 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 who I am. I have my days, but look, I, I like I like where I'm at. Well, you should. This whole that was the whole point. It's the strength. Of this pod, right? <laughs> it's, it's not like a, it's not a bug. It's a feature of this pod. It absolutely that is. it's the Short Kings podcast. It's so, accentuation. Yes, of the podcast. Um, so but it's get, good that we could have that measurement because it means we are, are in the same room. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I do think we should do it on the doorway here at the FTP studio, like CJ. Nick, Just Julian. mark it for everybody. Everyone should be measured here. Yeah, well, and then they can be like, like it's like you have, must be this tall to ride the ride, right? Well, yeah, essentially you, you put Jesse at the top, and then you see where Steve and Adam and everyone else rank, and that's that's a nice fun activity for everybody. Jesse, why'd you do it? I don't know if we could put him on the door frame because I think he has to duck to get under the door. Because <laughs> <laughs> disqualifies him from any measure. <laughs> exactly. So. Okay. All right. Uh, there are a couple different topics we got to get to. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers are going to come up in this episode. Uh, Jonathan Huberto and the Flames as well. Uh, you wrote an article about what you're hearing about a potential destination for Patrick Kane. We still don't know uh, where he could be playing at some point this year, but we got to talk about the team that you. Ooh, uh, we oh. got a little breaking news. Oh, do 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 do. The Calgary Flames have recalled goaltender Dustin Wolf. Whoa. Okay. Wow. Well, okay. I just that literally I, just came in on my phone. So well, I, uh, I uh, I definitely have an article to write right after this. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> Damn, they really did it. Okay, I did say he was going to get AHL games this year, but if this is happening, then what? So they're just going to carry three goalies? What's next? Who knows? That's a really good question. I the, should say though, before we start just randomly speculating, that yes, there yes, are yes. a number of teams though. I think that are at least intrigued by the goalie market. Like this is not absolutely just that this. We shouldn't automatically be like Edmonton's making a trade or something because of everything went down with Jack Campbell. I think that there's a number of teams out there. First, there's some dealing with injuries. The Rangers got a couple guys down. Carolina lost Freddie Anderson this week uh, to his blood clotting. Uh, I think Pittsburgh might be a little shy in that department. There, there's there's a few different teams off the top of our head. I mean, you need, look, Toronto. I, mean, I think we're going to talk about the Toronto Ottawa game. Oh yes. Not to say they're in the market for goaltending, but they certainly have not a lot of confidence in their goaltending right now so and i i think that is a league-wide phenomenon that's why there's so many teams carrying three goalies it's the weird thing right the, the canadians the red wings um because they know that they, they can't get their third guy through waivers. exactly yeah but that's just for the for the market for for people who are not familiar with with dustin wolf this is the team's best prospect he has been the league mvp on back-to-back years in the ahl he is the shining talisman of all the prospects that they have in their stable and fans in Calgary have been clamoring for him to get called up. Isn't Dustin Wolf kind of a short king? Like relative. Oh, not kind of. He, I mean, he's like the same size as, or I don't know. I mean, do you consider UC Saros a short king? I just they're mean the same size. relative to his position because there's very, I think Saros might be the only goalie under six foot that's played an NHL game this yes. year. Yes. And so <laughs> I know that if Dustin Wolf was going to go right, 
No, he's going to be in Toronto tomorrow. Maybe we can get him to swing by the studio and so he measures up. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, look, we all know what the. I mean, it's kind of funny because there's another topic that we were going to bring up at some point in the show, which will ultimately play second fiddle to whatever goes on with Dustin Wolf, I suppose. Unless he maybe they play, maybe they don't play. I don't know. Who knows? There's a lot of possibilities there. Yeah, I mean, it, this is so dated. I mean, the cool part about breaking news during the show. It's like, whoa, this is cool for it's us. Like, this actually, so it's neat for us because this has just come out. Yeah. But we have no extra information other than a press release sent no. by the team at this point in time. No. I would say this, though. My first instinct says you do not call up a third goaltender to not play him. Now, it doesn't mean Correct. he's playing in Toronto because there's back-to-backs this weekend. Correct. Up, there's right? Toronto, then Ottawa, and then they have a couple days, then they're playing the Canadiens. So you're probably going into Friday, Saturday, not starting the same goalie on the same night. Yes. But I would be surprised if they were calling him up and not playing him one of Friday or Saturday. Yeah. I wonder if all three goalies play. But anyway, we can uh, maybe, if there's any other stuff that comes up with that, we can bring that up uh, when we discuss Jonathan Huberto. We can talk about the Leaf Sens game to start. I was on the plane for most of that game. I, I, I watched the highlights. There was like one clip shared in our group chat where I think on the TNT broadcast, they're, they're calling the game and then Paul Bisson, it's like, hey, they got to fix the defense. And then they get scored on as he's talking about it. You saw the game. What did you make of, of the Leafs defense? Well, I, I mean, look, at the game is the, the game was a big game. It's a national game in Canada. The Senators are going through their own stuff. And so these two teams colliding in that moment, you know, makes it, a bigger game, but for me, I'm looking at the 13 games of the Leafs regular season so far. And, you know, even some of the games that they've been winning, they're winning like six, five, five, four kind of thing, uh, which clearly is not what anyone would hope. And then if you look at where the Leafs are at any of the, the main defensive minded categories, even if it's talking about penalty killing, save percentage uh, goals against uh, even underlying metrics at five on five, the Leafs have just not been very good defensively. And, for as much as we can bag on about this team and why it hasn't worked in years gone by, I mean, they have undeniably actually been a pretty good defensive team, especially for the offensive players that they have at the top end of the roster in recent seasons. And I think the real cause for alarm is that that's now not there. And, and I think is deeper than one player, one addition. You know, like I, there's a lot of people today talking about John Klingberg. He's on the ice yes. four goals against. So, I mean, that, that's going to get you noticed in a market like Toronto when the team's struggling, when the coach comes out after the game and says that the, their defensive problems, I think, are, quote, out of control. And they have to protect John Klingberg. Well, but the truth is they do. I mean, because he, he does things at the other end of the ice that are great for your team. But I think any coach that's probably had him, at least in the last few years, is thinking, how do we minimize some of the bad things that happen defensively? I mean, no, very few players are even close to perfect. And certainly anyone in the middle of the roster and down is just does have holes. Right. And I think that's part of coaching is a trying to iron out some of those holes. It's pairing you up with teammates that can be complementary skill sets. It's starting you in the offensive zone, maybe instead of the defensive zone, if you're a certain type of player or the opposite is true, right? The Leafs have David camp. Who's been a really good defensive player does not have a huge offensive touch. He starts, starts a lot in the defensive zone. He does the penalty kill, which again has been good in years gone by, not so much this year. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, you have to protect all kinds of players in all kinds of different ways. But, you know, the market's raging specifically on Klingberg today. I think, you know, more than an injury, and they've had two injuries to, to key defensemen and Timothy Lilligren and Jacob, Jake McCabe um, the last little while, more than just the offseason personnel. Like, I think the issue is more even than the goaltending, right, which I, I mentioned. Obviously, Elias Samsonov um, just as 
he's been not good. He's been terrible this year. It looks like Joseph Wall had his first like bad game. Yeah, yesterday he's had a that was his that was his worst game I would say. But he's also been spectacular. Yeah, he you know he's he's such an unproven thing. I mean that I'm not making any bold declarations on, on where Joseph Wall is, but no. I think the whole point is 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 he may very well be the Leafs goalie of the future and even maybe the present. But I don't think anyone should just expect him to to take over right now and and just be great constantly i mean he's unproven he you know he, right now that actually was i think it was his eighth appearance this season it's the most he's ever played in any given nhl season of his career so like we're talking about a very young player um and so the problem here is that the issues are deeper than all of those things though this is a collective issue and that is what is setting off alarm bells in the management offices in the coach's office at scotia bank arena it's not oh, this one player isn't working out or we have to protect them, or it's not even just, hey, the goaltender all of a sudden turned into a pumpkin this year. What's going on? It's, it's, this, is, this is a team-wide issue right now, and it's getting a little late. I mean, this, this, that comment for me will apply to lots of situations. Like, but it, you're 13 games into an 82-game schedule. Like, it's a meaningful number of games now. Uh, we're not that far even from U.S. Thanksgiving, which, we know, for whatever reason, hockey people just love U.S. Thanksgiving. I don't know if it's because they like the turkey or they like watching the Cowboys play at 4.30 on a Thursday or what it is. You know what it's for. Anyway. But it, it does seem that for whatever reason, that is like the date that's circled that you, you will know what your team is, good, bad, or somewhere in the middle by then. The Leafs are bad defensively right now. It's just There's no way around that. And so can you fix it short term? Like, can you... Like, this isn't the schedule to turn around in either. Off the top of my head, they played Sunday, Monday, Wednesday. They play Friday, Saturday, and then they fly to Sweden. Yeah. Which is its own thing. Yes. Play two games over there that count in the standings. And then fly back. They play an afternoon game on Black Friday in Chicago after that. Like, it's, you know, these, these, these trips, I think, can be good to Europe. But, like, they are a distraction, right? There's just a lot of stuff going on, I'm sure. Especially there's a number of Swedish players in the Leafs roster just dealing with that. You know, even just the, the logistics of the travel and the body clock. I mean, there's four teams going here. There's two teams that went to Australia, in LA and Arizona before this season. I'm not. I'm not saying feel bad for the Leafs, I mean, but the point is, is that it's it's if you're not if things aren't going well, I think it almost feels worse when you got to deal with all that stuff. So what do you do? Like I, I don't know what you do because I, I've seen people say like, oh well, maybe it's time we fire Sheldon Keefe. You know, the guy you just extended to new contract this off season. Like, yeah, I'm not, that's, that's what do you do. I'm not doing that because what have you learned in these 13 games that you thought you knew after 200 games of Sheldon's career? Like you, you just you're right. You just signed him to a new contract, but they didn't just sign him to a new contract. He was subject to his boss being changed out. He had a new boss. He had a 17 hours worth of interviews with Brad Living before he was even known that he would come back. Like it was an open question back on May 31st, June 1st when the GM switch was made, like it, is Sheldon back? Like Brad Trilling's very first press conference in Toronto was like, it's, it's not a guarantee. We got to see what happens here. So you've earned his trust over the course of all that off season work. You got the extension. I don't think you'd, I, I just, I, it doesn't make sense to me. The coaching change. What you would want to do if, if you're Trilling is make a trade, but you know, we saw actually two trades yesterday, the Minnesota wild involved in both sending out a defenseman, Kalen Addison and bringing in Zach Bogosian. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of trade activity, though, generally speaking, right now. And the Leafs are among the teams that have no cap flexibility. And there's so many teams like that. I just I don't know that that option is really there, re- like reasonably speaking. 
and you know they don't have an ability to carry a lot of extra skaters so you're kind of you're more or less stuck with your lineup i know they've been moving some depth defensemen in and out with these injuries but i think you challenge your players that's like if you go down the checklist you challenge the players and i think you try to make some kind of trade i'd say the same thing for edmonton and toronto if i could and i'm not in living shoes or ken holland shoes in edmonton but I think you try to make some kind of roster-altering move. Now, Edmonton played a big card by putting Jack Campbell through waivers, sending him to the AHL. And we'll get to that. Yes, we'll get to that. But I don't see a similarly big card for the Leafs to play short-term. You're just trying to figure it out internally. And I, I think, I mean, I'm not. I, there's no rosy picture being put on this. Like, I think Sheldon himself said, like, we've had some slow starts in the past. Like, this is different than before. Like, the Leafs think it's different. Like, I, I think there is... Real worry there. Whereas in some, you know, previous years, basically the, this team, for whatever reason, has always just had sort of like meh Octobers. Yeah. And then last year, I think they went 11-1-3 in November. And they were never in danger of missing the playoffs from that point on. This feels like the kind of year where this is going to be a playoff chase. And you're seeing, you know, Detroit's had a pretty strong start in the Atlantic. You know, Ottawa, as, as I was saying on the panic meter I'm not freaking out just yet about Ottawa. They're 5-6. and six. Yeah. They, they, so they got games to make up here, but they, you know, they're they're not that far behind the Leafs, certainly. Uh, I think Buffalo is still an interesting team. Obviously, Boston has come out gangbusters. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who wears a Bruins sweater. Just somehow they win every game. Like, they're like 75-13 and 13 in the last two, like last season and this year. 10-1-1 record at the time of this hey, but recording. What was their record last year? They like, lost 12 games, I think. It was just, they have, they have the best regular season record ever. They're literally like 75-13 and 13 since the it's start of insane. last season. And like, and I don't mean this as a slight at any of the players, but look at their roster now. It's not what you, first of all, they've been missing Charlie McAvoy because of his suspension. Yes. Um, they got Mason Lowry in there. I think that's how you say it. Let's stick with it. Yeah. But, you know, James Van Riemsdyk's playing pretty high up their lineup. Like, they, you know, they're, they're patching things in. Matthew Patra is, is doing his thing over there. Yeah. But I'm giving, I'm giving JVR a little credit here, too. He's had a pretty pretty good start. But I'm just saying, they, they anyway, I, I got out on a Bruins tangent. No, that's fine. By the way, I should mention, there's like a But six the Leafs are in it, is all I'm saying. Like, I don't think that's yeah. the cruise to the playoffs kind of year. Just there's like a six-point like. difference between uh, Tampa Bay, who's second in the Atlantic, and the Ottawa Senators, who are last in that division. They're only six points behind the Tampa Bay Lightning in that division. And the Lightning, I mean, I would probably eat my words. I just feel like the Lightning aren't the Lightning of the last few years. Well, no, they're not. They have, like, incredible individual talents. Kucherov has just been in beast mode the last week. Like, if you have him on a fantasy team right now, like, you are, there's no chance you're losing the week. I know that much. No. Um, and, you know, Stamkos off to a strong start point-wise. But they don't have Vasilevsky in net. Not yet. Right. And they can probably survive another month, which is basically, you know, three to four weeks from, from seeing Vasilevsky hopefully return from, from his offseason back surgery. It's still but, Tampa Bay, though. They're still well coached. They still have their, their top skilled players are who they are. Andre Vasilevsky, if he comes back and he's healthy enough, like, do you want to play them in a playoff series? I know no. they're, not, they're not the same team of old. I still respect them enough to not want ever like if I could face anyone else in that division in the playoffs give me literally any other team aside from Tampa and maybe maybe even Boston but even then I'd rather take Boston over Tampa I gotta say they're like my favorite room to be in there's like a swagger to them and it's like completely earned right you go to four cup finals in eight years and with a lot of the same core players I mean what's what's actually weird to see now is how many of their core guys have moved on right yeah 
it's it's I asked I asked Cooper this week. He was through Toronto and, and in the scrum. I asked him sort of about how they've managed like basically how are you dealing with this transition? Because he could count on so many of those guys. And he's like, every third game, I feel like I'm seeing like a video tribute. <laughs> like he's like, you know, because like even this week, trading guy like Zach Bogosian in Minnesota, I know he's at the point now where he's their seventh D, but you know, he's been part of it for years, you know. And then more corporate pieces like Kalorn goes on to Anaheim and Palat and they traded Tyler Johnson. They traded Patrick Maroon to Minnesota in the offseason. Like a lot of the key guys from those teams. And it's not to say that the players they've replaced him with aren't good. Uh, and then Frank, frankly, those changes probably had to happen. Like you, you now shift to a Nick Paul and Tanner Janot and Brandon Hagel, like all these guys that they, they've brought in and signed to longer term deals. But some, you, I think something's lost there too, right? Like this, what you used to be. Anyway, I'm all over the map right now. It's but totally fine. The Atlantic this is, this is, is enthralling regardless. The Atlantic is wild. And, and I'll say this before we go any deeper into it. I haven't even mentioned Florida. Nope. Played I, in a Stanley Cup I final was, last year. I was I thinking forgot. about this yesterday. I feel like like the Florida Panthers are looking at it right now. 7-2-1 their last 10. I feel like they've just been kind of... Missing they, two of their just, top four defensemen. Like, no one's talked about them like at all. We focused on the Leafs. We focused on the Red Wings. We've seen what the Sabres are, are, are going through. The Rangers have gotten some attention. They're leading their division right now. There's all what's going on out west with Vegas playing really well, Edmonton not playing well, Calgary just kind of there as well, Dallas being good. I have not seen anyone talk about the Florida Panthers and the fact that they are third in their division and they're off to a really good start, and they were already going to be down bad with the injuries that they had. They're off to a good start. And I'll leave you with this because we can get to this when we get into the Patrick Kane stuff. The East is, it's, it's, it's two different, con like the two conferences are distinct to me. Yes. And this will be relevant to the Kane conversation because he's staying East. If you're picking a team, like quite honestly, if, if you were picking a team right now, like Patrick Kane is kind of doing, who would you pick in the East and be like, that team is going to give me a chance to go to the cup final. Like, it's not as cut and dried as I think out west, where you're probably going to one of like Vegas, maybe Vegas, Colorado, Dallas, probably. Like I think in the in in the west, there's like more really crappy teams, and and then you got that high end, and and it's maybe a little more defined tier wise. I don't know that the east, especially like, and I again, I'm gonna look so dumb because Boston is already lapping the conference, but it wouldn't surprise me if Boston did come back to earth somewhat. Like I could just see it being like a really, obviously. Within that, teams are going to have good seasons. I think the Rangers are still good. I think the Devils are still good. Like, there's a lot of good teams. It's just hard for me to say who is the best team. I don't know. We, that's why we got to play the games, man. We, we got a what lot. What starts of the season has been, though? It's been kind of weird. Like, yeah. Just no one's really. I mean, I still think Vegas, we slept on them. But, like, I don't know. There's still so much road to go. I, I, I can't wait for the American Thanksgiving episode because we get to do my favorite thing which is uh, we look at all the teams who are in playoff spots and you get to tell us if they're going to stay there or not. All right. That's where I just get radioed to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, CJ. We'll make you look good. Uh, well, is there anything I, you want to add about the Senators before we get to sports interaction? Uh, huge win for them. Michael Anlauer in the building, their new uh, owner. I think, and I mentioned this on Monday or Tuesday, Monday, but I want to reiterate. I, I think the talk about DJ Smith's job is a little overcooked. Now, when the fans are chanting, fire the coach, naturally there's going to be a media discussion that follows. Like, hey, are they firing the coach? I really don't think they are. And obviously a win like that helps them stave it off. But, you know, they're right back playing a bunch of games this weekend. I mean, they're not out of the woods yet, but I, I do think that uh, they really are going to try to just have some stability and some calm around there. So you don't think there's like a replacement in waiting over there? If you're winking at Patrick Waugh, I just I don't buy that. 
Oh, I, I, well, that's funny. His name has been mentioned. Uh, I've seen so. I've seen at least. Well, one there was like name. reports he was in a restaurant in Canada yeah. this week, which he may or may not have. I'm not. I we don't know. I'm not addressing where Patrick Roy is eating dinner these days or lunch. Okay. But I I would be surprised if he was coaching Ottawa anytime soon. Okay. All right. Well, or ever, frankly, I, I don't I don't see it. So no other no other no other names. No, I don't even know what you're winking at. Oh, I'm not winking at anybody. I'm, okay. just, I'm just wondering. No. That's fine. Anyway, let's get to David Vastel in Sports Interaction, and uh, we'll get to talking about the Edmonton Oilers on the other side of the break. Welcome to You Can Bet That. David Bastel joining us from Sports Interaction. Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn for all of your gaming needs. DB, we're talking about coaches who could be fired, who could be the first one uh, on the firing line in the NHL. Uh, yeah, that's, exa- that's exactly that's exactly it, Julian. Uh, first one to go. And right now, DJ Smith is a favorite at Sports Interaction. Despite that win against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Wednesday night, he is the 2-1 to favorite to be the first to be let go. David Quinn's on that list. Craig Brubay's on that list. Jay Woodcroft's on that list. And... I mean, outside of what Craig Brube is doing in St. Louis with the 500 record, uh, CJ, like those, those coaches are struggling right now. But there's also some coaches in there that you're not really expecting them to be let go because they're also first year head coaches as well. Yeah, it's a tough one to figure. I mean, last year we actually didn't have that many in season coaching changes, so you know maybe maybe we're due for a correction there. You know, the one thing I'll point you to though is Steve Steos, the the president and interim GM in Ottawa, has given a vote of confidence, so to speak, to, to DJ Smith has said that they want stability, that they're not looking for more change. So, you know, read into that what you will. Maybe you take my face value. Maybe that's sort of a kiss of death sometimes in our industry when you're even asking the question. Uh, you know, at San Jose, I think they're realistic about where they're at, but they've, they've endured some tough losses. So maybe David Quinn's on a hot seat. But, man, it's a tough job being a coach. The minute any team starts poorly, we immediately start uh, speculating on the on the employment of the man behind the bench. Absolutely. Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs, all the best odds before game, in game, and the best props. Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. DB, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. This episode of the Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by SeatGeek. With over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports, festivals, and more. With NFL and NHL in full swing, the NBA as well, SeatGeek has your tickets to every game. Plus, if you're trying to see artists on tour like Travis Scott and Zach Bryan, they got you covered with those tickets Two, they put all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you're getting a good deal. And every ticket is rated on a scale of one to 10. So look for the green shots. Green is good. Red is bad. Uh, every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee. And SeatGeek is the only set that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. We got a code. We got a code for you guys. Johnston. Use the code Johnston for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with the promo code Johnston. Make sure you click the link in the description or download the app. This episode of the Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by Factor. Uh, You might be looking for an easy way to cook some nutritional meals during this holiday season. American Thanksgiving's coming up. Also Christmas next month. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service that can help you fuel up for breakfast, lunch, 
and for dinner. I help you. It'll also help you skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping and the prepping and cleaning up while still getting the flavor and nutritional value as well. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy. If you're looking for calorie conscious options over the holidays that also taste great, you can try the delicious dietitian approved calorie smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. Some pretty good stuff from Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash Johnston50 and use codes, use the code Johnston50 to get 50% off. Johnston50 at factormeals.com slash Johnston50 to get 50% off. CJ, let's talk about the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, they waive uh, Jack Campbell. He goes unclaimed. He goes down to the American Hockey League. Calvin Pickard gets called up in his place. What did you think of that situation? I wasn't that surprised given, I mean, it's a reflection of how desperate it's getting in Edmonton and how, you know, this is not something as a GM you want to do. It's certainly not the first, you know, it's not like the first, you've, you've been through a few steps before you get there, right? Behind the scenes, I mean, uh, in terms of considering ways to get things going, to get the player going, to look at the trade market, to look at, could we move Jack? Like all that stuff has to go on before you do that because the ramifications are pretty obvious. He's 18 months into a five-year contract at a significant amount of money. And it's, it's really highlighting the fact in a way that is not, I mean, it's not that it was a secret anyway, that it hasn't gone well, but it's, you know, it's clearly the next step in the process. So I wasn't totally surprised because I knew it was an option for them, but you know, that being said, it's still, you know, like Cal Peterson kind of went through a similar situation in LA, but you know, his, he didn't have as much runway left on his deal. It was a shorter term contract that he was on. And you know, I, I just think that it's a it's a sign of how desperate the Oilers are, frankly, uh, because, you know, what it does allow them to do. Obviously, the, the first hope, I think that there's a realization unless they're trading out like a first round pick and something else. That's probably what it's going to take to get rid of Jack Campbell's contract right now. So I think the Oilers would prefer to, to keep some of those prime assets to hopefully be acquiring players at the deadline. Um you know, they have to be in a position where they're going to make the playoffs for that to be a relative thing, relevant thing. Um, but with Campbell, I think the hope is that he can find himself. And remember, he's done this before. Like this, for those that are maybe newer to the Jack Campbell story, I mean, part of what was so tremendous about his rise in Toronto and in L.A. actually before that is that he was a top, top pick, wins, you know, world under 18 as Team USA's goalie. I believe he won a world junior tournament as well. Played one NHL game as a, top pick of the Dallas Stars and was on an odyssey through the ECHL and the American Hockey League and he found himself and he found his game and he got himself together he rose up and became a great story in LA and then ultimately moved on in Toronto and became the Leaf starter you know played a game seven for them was very hard on himself afterwards after losing to Montreal yeah. uh, for one of the goals he let up but you know he he really he did rebuild his whole professional career in the HL once before so I think Edmonton's hoping that can happen again in the meantime they bring up Calvin Pickard. He's played lots of NHL games, over 100. Uh, was having a strong start to his season in the NHL. And they're now accruing cap space, basically because of the difference between the contracts and, and what they can bury in the minors uh, salary-wise from Jack Campbell. And so onwards they go. And, you know, maybe Pickard's going to play games. I, I think more important – I mean, obviously he's going to play some games, but I don't know how much he'll play. I mean, Stuart Skinner's not playing very well either, right? Their other goaltenders. Yeah, so. both of their goaltenders uh – including Campbell and all this, their safe percentages are below 900. Like it, it has not been 
a great time to be an Oilers goalie at this point. No, and, and like I sort of see the Oilers, it's like everything going wrong at once, kind of. Like it's very clear that Connor McDavid is not at 100%. And, you know, obviously missed a couple games before returning for the Winter Classic. Heritage Classic. Sorry. Her- All good. Heritage Classic. Yeah. Yeah. They blend. <laughs> but <laughs> that that's the problem with outdoor games, but that's a whole other topic in itself. But yeah, so Connor isn't at his best. You know, Dry Saddle's kind of gone through a, a down spell. You know, Ekholm's been off to a difficult start to his season. Like just some of their key guys aren't at their best. The goaltending's falling apart. It's 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 been an imperfect storm uh for Edmonton to start the year. And now they're one of the other, you know, this is what we do. Now that everyone's saying they need to replace the coach and all this sort of thing. Um, you know, I think that they would think about it. They have to consider everything. I mean, the one thing we maybe haven't said enough on this show, and I want to like say it in big flashing lights. Okay. This is a freaking big year for the Oilers. Like everything beyond this year, I'm not saying anything. I don't know what will happen. I don't have the crystal ball. But every nothing is guaranteed beyond this season. And, you know, on July 1st, 2024, I can tell you, we're going to be talking about what are they doing Leon Dreisaitl? Is, is he going to be signing an extension? Because he will be one year out from being a UFA. And, and if they're not signing him that day, can they afford to play it the way they say the Maple Leafs are playing it with William Nylander or the, the Flames are playing with Elias Lindholm? I don't know if they can with Dreisaitl. Meaning, if he's not signing, they, they I think, would have to trade him. Anyway. We'll put that conversation off for another day because there's nothing to be advanced on that. There are Oilers fans listening to that segment who just a, a shiver has just well, passed through them now. But honestly, I'm not even inferring that he will be traded or won't sign. A, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Absolutely. But and, still, and just the idea that they have to even think about that. They know that for sure. But July 2024 is going to be a fascinating time. I'm just saying if you're like this year matters so much. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I don't think it's lost with where they're sitting. But it's getting dangerous. Like they're at a, I think they have to play at a hundred and three point pace right now, basically to, to qualify for the playoffs over the next seventy odd games. Which of course they can do. And you know who they're playing tonight, right? San Jose. Could you imagine? If, I can imagine. I've imagined it. Like like the. I sat around imagining like what will happen if the Edmonton Oilers lose to San Jose. That's DefCon five for me. That's panic button time. You can't. Don't be, you think it's already? I mean, you've. I think you're well fine. You you've might be sent the, down your DefCon five million dollar goalie. Yeah, but like, if you can't beat San Jose, and don't, and I get it. You know, they Mike Greer came to talk to the players too, and they're not happy about allowing ten goals in back to back home games. But if you if you have the team that's supposed to be a cup contending team, and you can't beat San Jose, that's what are we doing here? Yeah, I mean, on some level, I think it's the best and worst thing for them. They've had Why a couple days. Well, because they've had a couple days off since the loss in Vancouver. Uh, the, you know, lots of time to prepare. It's not a back to back. You know what I mean? And they're they're going to play the worst team in the league. Okay, you by mean that standpoint. Yeah. So, like in a way, you'd be like, this is the best case scenario for a team trying to find itself. Is I mean, other than the fact that games on the road might be the one thing you say is not perfect about it, but you know, San Jose did give up twenty goals in their own building in two games. So, the Shark Tank is not the Shark Tank of old, and. You know, so I think that's a great scenario for Edmonton, but of course, us in the media doing what we do, we imagine like what would produce the most chaos, what would, and that would be a Sharks win. I think in any way, shape, or form, like any way it goes down, even if Edmonton outshoots them 40 to 10 and loses two to one somehow, I still think that that's bad, even though yeah. every game you, out, you outshoot an opponent by that kind of margin, you should basically win. Yeah, if Edmonton doesn't win that game by more than like three goals, mm, I'm not going to say that. Okay. 
If they win 3-2 in overtime, we're going to go like, whoa. Ugh, but, I don't know about that. But if they win like 4-2? Dude, we're in the winning business at this point. I think You take a win where you can get it. If you're Edmonton, like you need every – look at the gap between them and Vegas. It's, in, it's insane. Um, and we don't need the standings watch too much this early in the year, but you can't help but notice things like that. So I just think any two points they can put in the bank, no matter how they put them in the bank, if you beg, borrow, or steal them, that, that that still counts for something. But yeah, it's 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 a tough situation too. You know, Ken Holland's in the final year of his deal as a general manager. Yes. I just it feels like they're they're teetering on this axis of change. Um, whether it's the roster or, you know, an important person like them, you know, the guy leading making the decisions about personnel on the team. The fact that two of the best players are getting closer and closer to the end of their contracts. They have a new president. I just I don't know. Very unsettled. And Nothing, nothing feels better than winning. I just you, you win a few games and everything will calm down, right? Winning cures everything. You've seen that in Calgary, though. Even just a couple wins, it just yeah, it the, lowers the temperature. The mood bit. is way better after those two games, uh, and and we'll get to a situation in in Calgary in a second. The one last thing I just want to ask you with Edmonton is just maybe they're on the precipice of change, maybe not. But do you see this team? You know, if if Jack Campbell can't find his game, if Calvin Pickard isn't the quick fix for their goaltending. Do you see them trying to make some kind of trade? Like we've seen people online. I mean, those are just, I don't think they're, I don't know. There's just rumors, but like I've seen people say like Jordan Bennington. Like, should they go for him? Like, what do you think of that? I think if you're, because of the reasons I've mentioned, if you're the Oilers, you have to look under every rock and consider yeah. every possible thing. I don't know that the, those trades are out there for them. But I mean, I would certainly, I'm not dousing water on the idea. There's a lot of players in the league with Edmonton on a no-trade list. Uh, and there's not that many goaltenders available. I mean, we, we hit a little bit with the Dustin Wolf stuff. I mean, there, yeah. there's, there's a lot of teams right now looking at their goaltending going like, a little hot around the collar. This doesn't feel great. And so I'm not saying they can't find a goalie, but I, I don't see an obvious answer out there for them. And so onwards we go it's it's like it's funny we always get to the spot with a team that's struggling right it's like what could they do and we're only at november 9th is it 9th it's november 9th today like it's it's just not a time generally where a team like saves its season with some massive trade i mean even those trades that minnesota pulled off yesterday i mean with respect to the players involved it's like they're six or seven d like it's 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 not fundamentally changing what they are um and what I think people are looking for at Edmonton is like they want some kind seismic. of seismic. Yeah, as you mentioned, you know it, this is an important year for them. So that's pro- that's a big reason why they would want that change. And can they make a good trade under these conditions? Absolutely, because you're. Do you think? Point. I think it's hard to make a good trade. Oh no, no, here. no! I mean, I agree with you. I think of the fact that they're playing, they're they're having the start that they are. Like their their assets are at a low, and it's. I always find it's impossible when you are. At a position where you need something done to, to come out of winners a trade. I was trying to agree with you. I didn't yeah. mean like I didn't mean like, oh no, they could still win a trade. I mean it's not impossible. I mean it's not impossible. I mean, Ken Holland's done this job for how many years, right? Like he could find a way to make something work. Well, and it's funny, in Detroit he was very much known, and this is it was a different NHL. Some of this was pre salary cap, but he was known as a real wheeler and dealer and someone who made a lot of deals all the time, was always in on all the big players. Oh yeah. Different league though. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that just that he's lost his fastball, it's more that like the way business is done is a little different. But I do think, honestly, if it's not a big trade, if this continues, if if they, the, you're going to see more, there's going to be more grenades going off around the roster. It might just be trading the 13th forward. But I, I think that they're going to have to keep trying things. 
I mean, it's funny. Some of what they've done has worked. Like they brought up Sam Gagne and he scores those goals, right? Like they, they signed him from an AHL deal to an NHL deal and he scores two goals in his first. I'm, I'm saying like they, yeah. they are pushing some buttons, but I, I think that the urgencies couldn't be higher right now. Put it that way. Absolutely. What about the Calgary Flames? Let's talk about them. Uh, Jonathan Huberto, that's been the big story the last couple of days. Uh, just not off to not off to an ideal start, uh, to put it lightly. But uh, the big story, obviously, he gets benched in the third period uh, against the uh, Nashville Predators. The Flames were down entering that third period. He sits, and they come back, and they win. He speaks to the media the day after, trying to take some accountability for, for his play. And just, you know, he's obviously not happy about being benched. I mean, I have my thoughts on it, but from your uh, bird's eye view, uh, what did you think of the benching? Yeah, we should spend more time on your thoughts because you're around a lot more. I think, look, at it, it's an embarrassed player. I mean, as much as we can all be like, ah, yeah, he's making X amount of money and, he, you know, he, no player wants to be in that situation. No. I mean, that's part of the reason it happens, right? The coach is trying to elicit a response, maybe from the other players around him that night, maybe from that player himself over time. I, I mean, the one thing a coach can do is give or take away ice time. That's, that's really, I mean, I get that they can yell and scream and do a bunch of other things, but like there's, there's very few things that are more effective in terms of the coaching tools than the ice time thing. So, you know, for Huberto, it, it's not gone well. I, I don't get the sense we should be clear in case I don't know what's out there. Cause there's a lot of crazy stuff on the internet these days. There's a lot of crazy stuff. I don't think there. he has an issue with Ryan Huska or anything like that. Like, I, I don't think this is a, a personal situation. I really do think it's, you know, the coach made a decision based on the way the player is underperforming in his eyes and is trying to send a message. And I think the player feels crappy about that. And that's where we're at. Like, I don't see it as any bigger than that. Now it could get bigger than that. We'll yeah. See how it goes. See how I mean, goes. but uh, he did acknowledge that you know he did talk to Ryan about that, and right. you know I'm, I'm sure it went as well as it could have. But yeah, could you imagine being in a situation like his where you know you? I don't want to go all the way back to the beginning from the trade and all that, but we all know that that was an issue in itself. But then you clearly don't get along with the last coach, and then you get a new guy in, and it still doesn't work like that. I got. I don't know. I, I think if you're Jonathan Hubert, like I feel bad for him. Like, I, I, like I, I heard on Quebec radio yesterday, like, he got called, like, a fat cat by, like, one of the radio hosts uh, at BPM Spa. Like, I don't know, man. I don't I don't get the sense that he's that type of player who just gets his money and he's just content with just living his life making $10.5 million every year. Uh, uh, that being said, like, I mean, he does have to do things in his game to get himself back to that level that he knows he can play at. It's just... I don't think he's this like lazy bum who just no way no absolutely not. It, but it is a very unfortunate situation for him where he thought he was going to be in the situation where he can get his confidence and swagger back, and it has not happened. And just like on the ice, he's he's a shell of himself. Like literally, like the puck is on his stick and offense dies. You pin him on the wall and nothing happens. Like it's, and I'm not I'm 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 speaking facts here. I'm not trying to dump on the player. That's literally what's happening with him right now. It's tough. Yeah. It's not ideal for him. I bet he'd give back a portion of that money to get <laughs> to get some of his ability back or his confidence back, whatever it he is. He might actually yeah, seriously. Like that's, I mean, that's what's tough too. Like I don't I don't see this. I'm with you. I don't think he's just checked out. I don't think he just all of a sudden doesn't give a shit. Um, but it hasn't worked. It hasn't been an ideal move for him. And where you the, the places you go next if this doesn't turn around are not places you want to be. Cause like I don't know. Let's face it. I don't. You're not trading that contract at this point. Like you're not buying it out. Like it's just everybody involved can't let their minds go there. I think that they have to be like, okay, how do we get the most out of Huberto? And 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 
I would expect they're going to continue trying to do that. I mean, I would expect a trade. I I, I think if I'm trade him. No, no, not trade him. I would expect oh, some kind of move where you get a player who can play with him. That's how you have to make this work. You ultimately have to continue, you know, doing what you can with him in the lineup, but you have to look at his years in Florida and see how it worked with the players that he got to play with. And you think, okay, who can we put in those spots? Who can we go out and, and seek through a trade and plug into our lineup who can help get him going? Like that, that's what I think you ultimately have to do here because I don't think you're moving him. Well, he's got to look at and himself not, too. And I'm not saying Absolutely not, he does. But I mean, at some point he can't worry about who he's playing with or who's standing behind the bench or who's watching up in the press box saying this or that. Yeah, and the and, fact you have to like do all these things to make a 10 and a half million player work, like that's, well... I don't know. There's a reason he got that contract. There is a reason why he got that contract. And you'd like to believe it's still in there. Because, you know, I don't, I'm not aware of any sort of like significant change to his health or a big injury. You know, like sometimes, unfortunately, that's what happens to players. This, this seems like a, a combination of how he's used, how much he played last year, especially. Didn't get a lot of minutes for someone of his stature. Who he's play- like it, there's a lot of stuff going on there and, and not a lot of time to figure it out. Yeah. I the just, best news is, I should say too, though, they yeah. won the game, they benched him in. That's the best case scenario when you bench a star player. If they lost that game, with, I don't know. Would that have really been that much different? It feels worse. It feels worse for everybody else. Because you took... Here's the thing. He's still a good enough player. He could, on his own, make an amazing offensive play. So if you lose the game and you and you've intentionally taken him out of your arsenal, like it's just like that's fair. You know, I think it's a little easier to digest when you've won and you're like, okay, now we go back. You know, everything worked that night. And I'll tell you what, though, I liked how, to your point, with with the, with the way that game went for them, it also makes it easier for the players to respond the way that they did. Like I, I personally, I think the way the players responded after with. One quote in particular from, from Dylan Dubé. I'll read a bit of it here. Hubie is the man. He's good. The most positive guy I've been around. He's a hell of a player. He's a hell of a person. It's fine. It's one period of his life, of his career. It's not a big deal. Him, uh, Noah Hannafin as well. Like, And Mackenzie Weger spoke yesterday too. I thought the way the Flames kind of stood up for him and, and just said essentially that they have his back. I mean, I'm sure maybe in other markets it's happened like that too. But that just kind of stood out to me. Just because I don't get the sense that Huberto in that locker room is like, like a prior or like maligned or anything like that. I no, feel like those guys generally like him. Sure, and it's a sign they like each other in general. Like that's a, that's that's what you want. That's the response you want from a team to something that's not great. Did you see who else was benched this week? Uh, well, a couple of days ago, I know Johnny Gaudreau was benched. Yes, and that's what I was alluding to with the crazy stuff because there are people in in Calgary right, right. now who are like, "Oh, hey, maybe we should trade Gaudreau and uh, for for Huberto." I don't know if you saw too. I don't. I don't know if this is true or not. I never got to know his family like that, but like people were saying that like Gaudreau's uncle was like in some someone's mentions and and discussing the idea of trading for 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 Johnny Gaudreau. Like it's it's crazy. That's what I mean by there's crazy stuff out there. Even if that's true. And I say this with respect. I've got some uncles. Like they don't. They're not. Yeah. They're, they're not privy to knowing everything going on with me. They have no influence like, on my job, future, and security. Like they could say they I'm want me saying, to work for some outlet. I don't know. And at the risk of being totally wrong, and maybe Johnny's best friends with his uncle, he's probably not sharing all like, everything no. in his mind. Anyway, no. yeah, let's let's yeah. Let's but put all crazy that, back in the drawer but here. All and that move to on. say, like people in this market. I mean, every market, it's like that. They just get crazy. And I I think for. 
it's not going to stop until Huberto ultimately plays better or the team plays as a whole better. They're on a two-game winning streak. That's what fine. happens if they start pulling it apart and trading other guys, though? Anyway. Well, let's let's save some content for later. Yeah, let's save some content because I think there's a whole other thing you can discuss with that. Um, we can get to your piece on The Athletic. Uh, Johnston, what I'm hearing about potential Patrick Kane landing spots. There's a handful of them, and you alluded to it earlier in our show that uh, he is uh, more likely to stay out east. He is, and I think what's important to know if you've not been following this blow by blow is that he and his agent, Pat Brisson, are at the point now where they're weeding through kind of this decision. And, you know, I don't know what day he's going to sign a contract, but I think it's in the relatively near future here. And, you know, the number of teams interested in Patrick Kane is long, maybe eight, maybe 10. Mm. But the number of places I think that he's interested in playing is much smaller number than that, more like three or four or something like that. And as best as I can glean, all those teams are based in the East. That, that, that might be coincidence. I'm not saying that he's, you know, come up with an anti-Western conference stance or anything. But, um, you know, the Rangers, where he finished last season, uh, remain a place where I believe that he'd be open to playing. I think that they're interested to see if that might work, but, but maybe don't know cap-wise how it would all go down. The Buffalo Sabres, his hometown Buffalo Sabres, um, you know, where it's not just that. You might not know this. Kevin Adams, the Sabres GM, was actually a roommate of Patrick Kane's. I did not know that. In their rookie season. Uh, it was Kevin's last season in the NHL as a player in Chicago and, and Patrick's first. And Don Granado, the head coach, was an assistant coach with the Blackhawks while Patrick Kane was there. So there's, there's connection beyond just the hometown stuff. They also have a lot of cap room relative to – in a league where nobody has cap room, they actually have cap room. Yes, they do. So I could see a world where they can give him a pretty enticing contract – still leave money for other moves as they get close to the deadline, bring them home, maybe give them a couple years because, you know, while they're on the up and up, it's, it, it would be hard for me to say with a straight face that I see them as a cup contender this year. Now, maybe they'll prove me wrong, but um, then we have the Detroit Red Wings. I'm intrigued about that, considering how the, the Red Wings started too. Well, I mean, they've been And good. Alex Dabrinkit there. And Dabrinkit has nine goals, and he's a treasured former linemate of Patrick Kane's, and I think that the idea of reuniting with him in a city that's also close to where he grew up, maybe at catching them at the right time on the way up, you know what I mean? Helping supercharge their their climb up the standings the way Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves did once upon a time in Chicago. They went from non-playoff team to conference final to winning a Stanley Cup three years. Um, so maybe you can try to help replicate that. And then the final one that I think is of particular interest to him is the Florida Panthers. And... That's the team that you're saying everyone's sleeping on. but I think so. People sleeping on that team, man. But Kane and Bill Zito, the GM in Florida, worked together with Team USA at a World Hockey Championship. I think they got along well. They had a great experience there in 2018. And let's just face it. Bill Zito, since he's become the GM of the Panthers, makes takes big swings. He's not afraid of the splashy move. Clearly and I think, not. And I think that you know signing Patrick Kane and introducing him to a team that went to the Cup Final last year that's weathering these injuries, that's kind of a splashy move. You know, It doesn't hurt that he can offer that player a chance to live in South Florida, could have a favorable weather and tax situation, and you know have some confidence, I think, that he's going to be on a team that's going to do everything it can to try to get you know one series farther and win, win a cup. So those, to me, are the big four. I suppose there's always room for someone to come in and maybe off, put something in front of Patrick Kane that he hadn't thought would be there. You know, who, I, I'm not going to say it has to be those four, but 
you know, right where we're at today, my understanding is those are the four teams we should be watching. So there's one team you wrote on your on your list that you didn't mention as part of your four, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I, so they're a long shot, essentially. Long, long, long shot. Outside, outside chance. <laughs> but I think somewhere above 0%, but not too high. You're, you're probably in single-digit percentages. But, I mean, we'll make the connection for you. Patrick Kane spent a lot of time the last couple months in the Toronto area doing his rehab and recovery with various specialists and skating instructors and the like. Uh, I think the idea of playing with Austin Matthews could have appeal for both players. Uh, Matthews grew up idolizing Kane. Kane's probably the best all-time U.S.-born player, I think. I, I don't know if that's undisputed. Like, if I don't know if that's accepted wisdom yet, but, I mean, I, he certainly has a case for it. In, in my eyes, he would be that. And Matthews has a chance maybe to supplant him. We'll see, but Matthews certainly one of the best young American players out there. Um, so I could, I could see that, but you know, the question is, look, the Leafs have all these other issues, which we spend a lot of time on at the start of the show that have nothing to like that, that Patrick Kane does not address. Uh, they don't have any cap space and you know, and I don't have the answer to this, so I'm not implying an answer, but I think we would need to know, does Patrick Kane think the Leafs have a real chance to win a cup? Cause ultimately he wants to come back with a chance to win another Stanley cup. And so I think if he signs in Detroit or Buffalo, you're looking at a couple year window that he's hoping he can play a few more years. You know, if he signs on with Florida or the Rangers, it could be this year. Not to say, again, maybe maybe Buffalo or Detroit surprised me. As I've said, the East is a little bit wide open. Maybe we'll see yeah. something crazy. I, but the point the point being is I think that's a big consideration for Kane, and the Leafs have some question marks, right? They, we don't know what's going to happen with Nylander. The defense has been what it's been. So I, I think it's a very, 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 very long shot, but I, I do think that there's at least a small twinkle of curiosity there. Okay. Before we wrap up today on our Thursday edition, stick taps. Do you have a uh, stick tap uh, that you want to give to anyone who's deserving of it this week? I hadn't even thought about it. I have one. I didn't show up doing my homework today. No. <laughs> oh, we only do these podcasts, you know, twice a week. We've only done it for like almost two years. I forgot it was Thursday. Oh, really? Isn't Thursday your tough day? It is. I'm in the soup today. You're in the. You're. That's what you call it. You're in the soup. Yeah, that's not a. That's not a reference to to Soupy Campbell. Jack no, Campbell, but just that's just what you call it. Yeah, like I've heard I just, in the mix, or you're just in it. I feel like I'm drowning a little bit on a day like this. Oh, I'm sorry. No, not to be, but that's what I mean, like in the soup. Like, it's just like there's a lot of... If I showed you my phone right now, there's just like a lot of different people coming at me from different ways. Do you have a favorite type of soup? I like most soup. Most soups? Yeah, like chicken noodle would be great. Tomato soup. I like pea soup. Okay. What about like clam chowder? Mmm... Not so much. Not so much? Not okay. So much. I mean, I would eat it, but I don't, I would never order it on purpose. Okay. If you served it at your house, I'd be polite as a guest and eat it. <laughs> but if you and I were in Boston together on a road trip and you wanted to go to a place where that was like what I would, I would be like, let's. Oh, open invitation uh, if uh, we are in Montreal at the same time uh, at my parents' place for food. I love that. Yeah. My, my, my dad was a bit concerned about the whole thing. <laughs> okay. He was, he was a bit concerned with that. Uh, my stick tap will go to, uh, my uh, good friend, uh, Shereen Ahmed, and her uh, uh, journalism class at uh, Toronto Metropolitan University. I was just there uh, before we got to recording. Got to, oh, wow. You know, talk to the students, talk to the youth. A uh, couple uh, CJ Show STP fans uh, like in that, that classroom. Uh, thank you so much for uh, having me. It was a really fun time to be there and talk to the students. So, uh, yeah, I figured I'd shout out, the, uh, shout out the class. Well, I'll shout out Henrik Lundqvist. Yes. Who will get lots of flowers in the coming days as probably the headliner of this Hockey Hall of Fame class, first class and everything he did. And I'm also going to Sweden on Monday mm -hmm. next week. 
So I'm I'm of a Swedish frame of mind right now. So uh, the the king did everything he could but win a Stanley Cup, and I do have fond memories of something that he might not remember very fondly, but that 2014 Stanley Cup final against uh, L.A. where he was literally giving it his all and and this heartbreaking scene where they lose uh, an overtime game, not the one that ultimately ended the series, but an earlier one in in that series, and just you could just feel him wearing it. Anyway, uh, first-class guy, and I'll give him my stick tap because I'm not going to be able to make the Hall of Fame ceremony Mm. because I will be on a plane to Sweden. Are you going to buy his cologne? I didn't know he has one, but well, the, I don't it, really wear cologne, if I'm being honest. Oh, really? You're not a cologne guy? No, I mean, I wear, like, deodorant. I put some beard oil in. I mean, like I, deodorant I, is, a, is a standard. I guess what I'm saying I, is... I would hope that you put on deodorant. I have some fragrance around me, but I Beard oil, I understand. I don't like spray, but, like, my beard oil does smell. Like, that's probably the closest to cologne. So if he comes out with the beard oil, I'm in. Can you, uh, for our listeners, uh, rec- tell, tell everyone what beard oil you, you use? I actually don't know the name of it. You don't know the name of the beard oil you use? No. You just put on something on your beard and go? I have different products. My barber safe hooked me up with one like that he gave me one day and then I have another one I buy and So you just you just buy it. It doesn't it, you have no idea what you put on your face. No. <laughs> Come on, man. You, you are a me. magical You human know me. Being, you know man. me. You are a magical human being. Uh, I always enjoy doing these in-person shows. I love the energy, obviously. Boom. Yes, sir. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. I will be, you'll be in Sweden, Ben. Uh, so we'll, we'll figure something. We'll, be, we'll figure something out in terms of... We'll do a Monday things. show before I fly, because I fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll make something. But work. Thursday, I don't know. We're going to have to navigate a nine-hour time zone or eight, eight time zones. Anyway. Yeah. Jeez, all these time zones. Jeez. Okay. We'll figure something out. Uh, but get your questions in. Uh, we will do an Ask CJ for our next episode of The Chris Johnston Show. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, however you listen to podcasts, subscribe to the SDPN YouTube channel. Hit up the Discord as well and do all the fun things uh, to be a part of the SDPN community. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long and peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook. Always remember to bet local. Inside the game twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at Reporter Chris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK and McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.